The Performance Lab podcast would like to acknowledge that the land on which we learn and work is the land of the Lenape, Wappinger, and Muncie people. The Performance Lab podcast is invested in the sharing of knowledge and cultivation of curiosity between makers. We invite guest artists to lead a workshop with the MFA candidates of Sarah Lawrence College, after which we interview them. We ask questions tailored to their individual practice, delving deeper into the how and the why of creation. Inspiration is all around us, but how do we hone in on the subjects that drive us? They share with us their tips, tricks, and sources of inspiration. Reflect on past performances slash projects. And keep us up to date on what is next. Stay tuned for the Performance Lab podcast. Hi, my name is Sarah Sterling, and I'm a second-year grad in the theater program. And my name is Andrew Delvecchio, and I'm a first-year grad in the theater program at Sarah Lawrence College. Today we are joined by Jibs Cameron. Jibs Cameron is a multifaceted performer, video, and recording artist. Perhaps best known for performing as her alter ego, Dynasty Handbag, Jibs has performed at such venues and festivals as the Hammer Museum, the New Museum of Contemporary Art, the Board Museum, BAM in New York, The Kitchen, Red Cat in Los Angeles, Mocha LA, PS1, South by Southwest, and more. She has also worked as a professor of theater, performance, and comedy at NYU Tisch and California Institute of the Arts, as well as teaching and leading workshops with a myriad of different groups. As her alter ego, Dynasty Handbag, Jibs hosts a monthly experimental comedy performance event called Weirdo Night in Los Angeles. A movie version of Weirdo Night has been selected for the 2021 Sundance Film Festival. Hi, Jibs. How are you today? Hi, I'm doing all right. Andrew, how are you? Okay. Um, It is wonderful to have you here. It was a wonderful seminar we just had. Um, I'd love to start off the interview by asking about um, the seminar you just had with us and maybe some of the things you talked about with us in it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I sort of talked about my personal history of, um, you know, becoming um, the world famous lesbian performance artist that I am today uh, and sort of my journey from feral hippie child to feral um, 46 year old. And uh, yeah, and how those things are sort of like, they're really like not separate, you know, like they're, my life as an artist, is just, that's what it is. It's, it's, it's intertwined and um, just talked about moving to New York and learning how to make narrative work. And um, my uh, subsequent move to Los Angeles where I live now and starting a live performance uh, monthly event called Weirdo Night, which is wildly popular, swept the nation and nation, I mean, the tiny neighborhood of Frogtown in Los Angeles. And uh, yeah, it's been on hold since for COVID, obviously, um, which has been odd, but yeah, that's about what I went through. And yeah, and just talking a lot about like liveness and what it means to create an energy and a, and a sort of exchange with the audience and how to do that gracefully and generously. And that was a real process for me to learn how to do that. Yeah. Awesome. Will you go into more detail in this podcast about the energy dialogue between um, performer and audience? Yeah, I, I think one thing I like to think about a lot is, um, I mean, there's the language around it now is a lot of talking about space and creating space and sharing space and holding space. And I guess prior to that language being part of a 
daily vernacular sort of was thinking about theater a lot as a place for utopias that or dystopias or whatever topias um, that because of the framework of theater, it would be a quote unquote safe place to explore other worlds and other constructions of yourself and others that wouldn't necessarily fly if you're trying to experiment with that, like say at Vons or whatever, the grocery store. <laughs> um, and because it's in this sort of framework of theater, we all come in with an agreement, sort of like, okay, I see this is on stage and I'm here and my job is this. And there's sort of like a understanding of what that space kind of like exchange is about. Um, so that's like where you start. So you're like, okay, well with that, what can I do? I can do anything I want. I can create any, any spatial idea that I want. And I try to, I'm not of, a, of the ilk of like, anything goes in theater, I think you still need to have some boundaries <laughs> around certain content and stuff. Like some people disagree with that, but I don't, you know, I sort of go with the, with the, like, I don't want to perpetuate anything negative or shitty or violent. I just want to, um, you know, speak to my own experience and try to put things into light in a different way and hopefully bring some pathos and humor along with it. And so within that structure, you know, you come in with an agreement, but then you're like at the helm of creating your portal, your black hole into the fifth dimension or whatever. And so that's the responsibility I think that the creator, the theater creator has. And then from there, then there's this balance of like, okay, the audience is in and now I got to lead them somewhere, but I also have to be aware of their reaction and their energy so that they don't feel shut out in certain moments or if they're a quieter audience or if they're you know like energetically really tuning in to to what do these people need like what are they tapping into you know oh these jokes aren't really landing well that's fine like maybe they're just listening you know um maybe they're asleep and that's fine too um but the, it's sort of like a balance of like you know, having someone over for a dinner party. It's like you, you invite them in, you're like, okay, this is what I got tonight. But you can't totally make the experience fun. Like that's not really up to you. You're just like there to provide the context and maybe like the, the path. And then together you make either the like, you know, it turns wild and then it's a key party and then it's an orgy or it's like kind of awkward and someone says something weird and you're like, that was sort of weird, but you know, the, the, the chicken balls were good or whatever you, you leave with, but it's, you know, you just, you're just trying to like make a container, you know, and hope that everyone will join in on your container and go along with it. And the more, you know, it's just tricky. It's a lot of balance of like, being in charge and then also being vulnerable, you know, being able to listen and then, you know, stay, stay the course. You had mentioned humor. I would love to ask, um, <laughs> there is so much humor in your work. Yeah. What do you feel? It's funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. What do you, <laughs> what do you think the power is to the humor in your work? How important do you think it is to have the humor present? Well, you know, I don't know any other way of being, I just, I come from a funny family. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I, that's just how we operate. And I don't really know what the key to that is. It's just something that 
is sort of like in my my way of communication. But I do think that um, it's kind of a, it's not necessarily a secret weapon, but it definitely is a huge advantage for someone who is an artist because I could have easily been a comedian and just been a weird comedian, or I can be a funny performance artist, which is gold. Because then when you go to art spaces and you end up cracking everyone up, it's like, you know, there's this place where they go, okay, it's art. So, you know, there's something to think about. Maybe I can understand something on a different level. It's not going to be, it's it'll, maybe it'll be nuanced or something, or it, it gives a little bit of a leeway for abstraction and weirdness. But then if there's humor, it's disarming and people don't think, you know, they're, it's, people are less apt to sort of freeze up and go, okay, what is this? Why are you attacking me with your performance art? And like, if you don't understand it, it's intimidating or, you know, I mean, they, there's a word like accessible. And I just think that that means like really not trying to go below or above anyone, just being sort of like right-sized and letting there be flaws and thing, you know, and, and looseness, but yeah, the humor stuff is just, it, it's sort of, um, it's just the way that I'm able to like glue everything together as well. So it's a really useful tool to just be able to, um, have that be the through line, you know, so you can go really dark, you can come in and out of things, especially when I'm hosting, something can be really serious. And then I, my job is to figure out how to make light of it without being harmful or like being respectful of someone's boundaries or, you know, like you can tease people. And if there's a lot of tension in the room, ease the tension without making it anyone else the butt of a joke necessarily, unless it's me. And I think it's a really good way to like sort of keep energy flowing too. And, and humor is like release. I think it's really like a spiritual thing, actually, not to sound too um, Los Angeles, but you know, so like you're paying attention, you have this explosion of like laughter and feeling, and it's like a real indication that you're present, you know, and being present is like the transcendence. Everyone's always like in the moment, be in the moment. Like that's, you know, be here now, like one breath at a time. Like that's somehow like a nirvana state. And I think that's why humor is so important. Laughing and stuff is so important. I mean, you know, whatever to, to sound too cliche, but it really is like, if you miss a joke, you miss that moment of, of, of live, of aliveness where like a connection happens in your brain and you're like, poof. And then, in you know, you, you know, you rewind the thing. You're like, I missed the joke. What happened? You know? Um, Cause you want to hear something incongruous. You want to hear something shake your mind just a tiny bit because that's really exciting you know it feels good feels good feels like feels like you're being you're being alive awesome. you're being alive <laughs> i'm being alive right now i'm very good at it um i'm gonna ask so you brought up that your family's funny and in our workshop you talked about how um you went to camp and that informed a lot of who you are now in your art and about your childhood and being raised by like just you talked about your parents and I would love to know more about your thoughts on the inner child and how it will come back to your work more and more again. 
Well, I'm kind of doing a lot of work around that stuff right now. Um, in like therapy and stuff. Um, yeah, I think it just, what it is, is for me is, um, pretty simple, just the things that give us joy, you know, are the things that we need to sort of try to cultivate, you know, and not the things that make us stressed out. (laughs) I mean, it's pretty basic, but a lot of times those things are just, you know, they're not encouraged or they're not celebrated or they're even, you know, beaten out of us or, you know, prejudiced out of us or say we're a little queer or we're a little, you know, like for me, I was, I was like just a different kind of kid than a lot of the kids that were around me. And unless I was at camp, then I was just pretty much one of the freaks. But, you know, I, I was, I just was the way I was. And there were some things that my parents were really good about just leaving me alone and letting me do whatever, but they also didn't really say, wow, you're really good at this. Maybe you should try to have a discipline or maybe we can help guide you (laughs) to like, you know, cultivate this or something. And, uh, and then there was also like some other kind of, there was like some scary stuff that was going on too. And I, you know, when you're, when you grow up that way, you know, being vulnerable is like, when it's not safe to be vulnerable, it's, you just sort of squash all of that because you, you kind of need to survive more than anything else. So I think adulthood is a lot of like unlearning the survival skills that don't really serve you anymore and getting back to like, what do I like to do? And is it okay for me to have joy? And, you know, can, can this be, can I integrate it, you know, into my work and my life? And, and it's just really not, and if you can't, like, you got to figure out a way to do it because it's just not, not fucking worth it to stay alive and not be free of all that stuff like it's just not and then you end up just an asshole or you get married to some shit bag or you have kids because you and you don't want them or you don't it's just so many things it's like such a sickness I think and I think that's a lot of what heteronormativity is not that you know you can be heterosexual and you can definitely live differently than what heteronormativity is but what we're dictated is just sort of this really oppressive thing and then there's these classic acting outs against them and these dialogues about men and women and what men are like and what women are like and babies and it's just so boring you know and so a structure that's just like really outdated and and you know there's so many pitfalls and so many traps you know of like what we should do and how we should be and who we should love and what kind of community we should have Um, and when there's no, um, when there's no, like when you have to make your own path, it's pretty scary to do that. But I don't know. The, the alternative is somehow I got lucky and I don't have children. (laughs) (laughs) I can't fucking imagine right now. Even imagine that. I mean, it's great. You know, I love the babies and I have babies in my life and everything, but it's just, you know, it's never been my desire. And for some reason, I, I never, I never fell into that, that trap. I don't know why I'm talking about this, but. Totally fine. I'd love to hear about it. I would love to hear a little bit. You, you mentioned a, a buzzword in the, the grad lab a few times that, that, that caught my ear. Uh, you mentioned punk a lot and you mentioned playing in bands. 
And I would love to hear how maybe being part of that scene or being a musician, I know we watched you playing kind of the character in as the, the front woman of a band, uh, how that scene has affected your aesthetic and your creation and how you create it. Uh, well, thank you, Andrew. Very good question. Um, <laughs> yeah, 100% integrated into my aesthetic and my uh, sensibility. And I didn't really notice this until I started to be go outside of that aesthetic and you know, sensibility and go, oh, not everybody operates this way, you know, like this isn't how it's done. Yeah, I mean, I one thing I love loved about being in bands, um, especially in San Francisco, was there was no real hope of making it. Like there was no music business there, so everybody was really just making work for each other and for fun. And it's just something to do, you know, and it's just the idea that you can, anyone can have a band is so great. And, you know, just being together in a stinky little room, making your own commerce, like making your own thing that you do with your friends and just making it work somehow, everyone borrowing each other's stuff, everyone, you know, entertaining each other just being together um, for the art, sometimes not for the art. And then all of the things that come along with that, you know, like the fashion, the art, the clothes, the other music you get turned on to, um, the people you meet and then touring, you know, I've been on a lot of tours. And when I was young, young, I went on tours that were like nuts, you know, like one city every night and sleeping on the floor and sleeping with only a towel and, you know, just having adventures, you know, seeing what's out there. And having that be like really part of the language of it as a, as a way to have community, you know, it's like just actually really underground, like uh, before internet, I don't even know how we set up tours, you know what I mean? Like it was just, and knowing that you have likeness in certain places. And I love that. I love also one thing about touring that's really great is there's one thing you have to do and everything around it is just trying to support that one thing and you really don't think about anything else you're very much like in the moment with your bandmates making jokes being a man being mad at them having adventures you know where weird stuff like newness like it's just great it's a great thing to do when you're a young person I don't really know what it's like now to do that but I'm sure it's still amazing I mean touring in America is kind of sucks because they don't really take care of you here but in Europe, it's really nice. You know, a lot of places are publicly funded. So, you know, they, you're getting more money, you're getting more support and stuff. You get much more snacks. If you're in Germany, you show up and they're like, here's your spread. You know, it's not that way in the United States. <laughs> um, and I just think like, you know, that sensibility of just like all being in a shitty green room together and it's just fun, you know? And um, I don't know, if either of you grew up rich or poor or whatever, but like one thing that sucks about being rich, not that I'm rich, but I've been around rich people. And one thing that happens when you're rich is that you have more space, obviously. That's like the big thing is space. Like you have space, you have more space on the airplane, you have more space in your house, you have more space between your neighbors, you have more space at your job, you have more space everywhere you go, you have more physical space. But you also don't, that intimacy is really lacking. Um, you know how like if you're in a big family and you're like kind of all on top of each other a little bit and it's just part of it's part of like learning how to be around other people and learning how to share and learning how to not be a diva asshole 
and I don't want that now, believe me. I mean, I'm, I'm beyond that. I want my space now, but, but I do miss, you know, I do think that stuff is really valuable to be in close proximity to folks, you know, sharing things and just trying to, I I don't know. It's, I guess it's the way you build community and, and also just, you know, the thing that really was really important to me about punk music from when I was really a teenager, like 13 on, I think is when I started to get into punk music was just having access to like you know again it was was a very different time you know it wasn't like you could get anybody's theory about anything at the at the drop of a hat like you and and when you found people who were singing about the things that you thought were problematic as well it was like whoa you know like I belong somewhere someone's voicing these things like there's so much anger you know as a teenager or you know as a young adult when you're just kind of discovering that things are not as they seem or things are bullshit and everyone's been telling you one thing but it's actually this other way you know your home life your the politics around you the suburbs wherever you grow up you're like wait a minute this place is fucking full of racist pieces of shit or like actually I'm you know these people act like they're great but like indoors they're like yelling at each other and being assholes you know and you you learn about that split and that was what the music stuff was for me, you know, was like this truth to power kind of thing. And that was the first place I really experienced that was besides with comedy is with, with punk music, you know, hearing people say like, you're, this is bullshit or like whatever. <laughs> um, and now I feel like it's been very commodified. Like I don't really feel a lot of truth to power these days. It's very earnest truth to power um, in, in terms of like, um, you know, lots of activism and things that are going on that really need to be going on, like, um, with movements and, you know, that kind of thing. But in terms of the art world and music, I don't know how, I don't know how it affects young people, like whether it's doing anything or not. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I have no idea. Anyway. You were talking about, um, building community and you, you talked about weirdo night and, and the community that has been built in that. Would you talk to us more in the podcast about Weirdo Night? Sure. Sure, Sarah. Um, well, what do you want to know? Oh, everything. <laughs> I, I want to see it. But I, I would love to know, like, um, you, would t- you had this beautiful thing, how you talked about, like, how you produce it and pick up performers and stuff like that. I, I want to know about the community and who performs and your role in it. Well, I host and I also perform. So I open the show. I dance on stage to this weird Miles Davis track. I I have a I have an I have an entrance dance track now, which became the standard. And um, I love to dance, so I dance on stage, and then I do like a little. It's very set up a lot like a um, like a late night show, you know. Like I get up there crack a few jokes have like an opening monologue it usually has something to do with something that's happening but sometimes not at all other times there's like a really big very awful thing happening in the world usually and I'm either drawing some attention to it or trying to bring it into the room and then say okay and we're gonna set this aside like this is happening but we're not gonna focus on it and some you know like during the you know this whole Trump administration it was just like an onslaught it was just like every single fucking month was just some other bullshit thing. And a lot of times I would be like, I don't know how I'm going to go out and make jokes right now. Like, how am I going to do that? 
And then people would tell me, we need you to go and make jokes. <laughs> we haven't, we haven't laughed. We need to be around people. We're shut-ins. The world is so scary right now. So I would just trust that. Um, and so sometimes I would just be like, okay, we're just going to celebrate creative spirit. We're not going to talk about issues. I don't need to tell anybody how fucked up anything, everything is. And everyone knows. And then, um, and then just giving people that I think are kind of freaky and cool a place to go up and to have a supportive audience, you know, like that's what I can offer. I can offer like this raging, really excited audience. And, and, um, you know, usually I say five, five minutes, which is great because everyone always goes over and, um, but not too much because it could suck. And if it sucks, you want it to end. And if it's good, you also want it to end so that you want more, like, that's also a good thing. And, um, and then I sort of pepper it with little entrances from myself. Sometimes I change costumes, sometimes I don't. And then I usually close up the show with a big number by myself. So I, the good thing about what I do is that I have a lot of confidence in what I do now. So I can usually wrap up the show with like a lot of energy and like, like make people leaving. So there's a lot of production mind that goes into it. So I like want the show to flow a certain way and, you know, doing all that stuff is really important. It's really fun, like mapping it out. It's like a puzzle, like how I want the energy to go and, oh, this would be cool then, and this would be better then. And then sometimes it's practical, like, well, they have a drum kit and they have a drum kit, so they should come next to each other, blah, blah, blah. So it just all kinds of like comes together and then, you know, poof, there it is. Yeah. And it just, um, I guess that's the thing is that it's just really fun. You know, in the last few months before the lockdown in 2019, I started to get very stressed out during the shows and in a way that I really didn't like. I felt like it was becoming, it was becoming too big in my mind. Like I was afraid of having it not go well. And that was really bumming me out. I was having like a little bit of a panic attack. Like it was getting too big or something. Like I didn't, I wasn't feeling entirely safe in, in it. So I had to sort of reassess what was going on with me. And I really don't want that to be the case. So if, if, if I can't, um, if it can't be fun and light, you know, I don't want to do it because it'll just ruin it. It'll strangle it. So, you know, I discovered a few things that were going on for me about it. And that's my work to do, you know, like that's my personal work around it you know, really facing those fears of like, what does that mean? Like, what, what is that about for me? And um, a lot of it was about being visible and continuing to be more and more visible and how hard that is. It's so painful sometimes. Um, expansion is always really painful and it's good, but it's, it's hard. You know, it always, it always hurts. <laughs> it always hurts, <laughs> but yeah. And the show is just every single whatever, you know, professional whistler, you know, like experimental opera singer, freaky drag weirdo person, celebrity. I'm looking at a list of people right now, uh, modern dancers, all kinds of just whatever weirdos, weirdo night. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jibs. Mm -hmm. Before we head out, uh, is there anything you'd like to tell us about to maybe keep an eye out uh, for in the future? Yeah. Um, well, in, in 2020, we got the opportunity to make a film of Weirdo Night that was in Sundance. 
and um, it's still sort of making a festival rounds. We don't have anything locked in right now, but um, just go to my website, www.dynastyhandbag.com and sign up for my mailing list. You can also support my Patreon. I have some really great gifts for you, um, like most notably archival footage and weird stuff and my stuff from my drawing. Um, I draw a lot and, uh, um, and they're so perverted and disgusting and you need them in your life. So join my Patreon, join my mailing list and get all the updates and the goodies. And thank you for listening. And thank you for having me on this cute little mini podcast. Thank you so much for being here. That was amazing. You're welcome, Andrew. And you're welcome, Sarah. (laughs) All right. You have a great day. You as well. All right. Be safe. The Performance Lab podcast was brought to you by Contemporary Performance Network in association with the Sarah Lawrence College Theater MFA program. For more information, please visit our websites at www.contemporaryperformance.com or www.slctheater.com.